0: I want to talk with you tonight about the power of perseverance and boldness and these two things go together perseverance and boldness in prayer. In Luke chapter <coughs> let me put my notes here Luke chapter 11 and verse 5 we have a parable which uh, speaks to this to this topic Luke chapter 11 verse 5 says for a friend of mine is in a journey uh, let's read, verse five I'm sorry and he said unto them which of you shall have a friend and go and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine is in his journey now remember this is just right after the model prayer for a friend of mine is in his journey and has come to me and I have nothing to set before him and he from within shall answer and say trouble me not the door is now shut my children are with me in bed and I cannot rise and give thee I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, and that word importunity means shamelessness, <laughs> he wasn't ashamed. Because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, <clears throat> asking it shall be given you, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now another parable uh, given in the 18th chapter of Luke speaks to the very same notion of perseverance, importunity, keeping on, keeping on, asking the Lord. Chapter 18 and verse uh, 1 through 8, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to give up. Not to quit. Saying, this was a city, there was a city, a judge, in a city, a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regarded man. And this is sort of funny, the way this works out. He said, I don't fear God, no, I don't fear man. Yet because this widow troubleth me... No reflection, ladies. I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me, she tires me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth." Often, the question that's been asked, and I'm going to tie this together here with these two parables, often the question is asked, why do we have to persevere or keep on asking God for that which is to be answered? If God's going to answer it anyway, why doesn't He answer it when we ask it? And I want to admit to you tonight, I don't have the complete answer for that. And I have not found anybody, I've not found a book yet that does have the answer to that. The complete answer. I've got some I've got some information about it. But I do know from God's Word that He longs to bless us, doesn't He? I believe that's truthful. God longs, loves to bless us. And yet answers do not always come immediately or when I expect them. You see, I do not believe that God answers simply because we keep on asking and I want to Clarify that. I don't think he just makes us keep on and finally gets tired of hearing us and says, "Okay, I'll give it to you." Don't think that's the case, but rather he sometimes answers as I keep on asking. Another question that is asked, and I have asked this: Why is it that I can pray according to the stated will of God in the Bible, and yet I do not see my prayer answered as I anticipated? <clears throat> Now, that's a real mystery to to those of us who are the Lord's disciples. And I think it's without a proper understanding of this seemingly contradiction, and that seems to be, if it's God's will, what is the answer? The proper understanding of this seemingly contradiction, one will uh, will be anything but bold in prayer. If we don't understand that, we're not going to be bold in prayer. We're not going to keep on asking. Are you with me? Or if we don't understand... If we think that's a contradiction that here's God said He's going to do this and He wouldn't do it and He's not doing it, then we'll become less bold and we'll just finally just fade away as far as that prayer is concerned. So I, need, I think there needs to be a clear understanding of the biblical concept of, pers- uh, of uh, pers- uh, perseverance and boldness in prayer because these two are coupled together, these two characteristics. These two, these, these, the practice of these two concepts go together in the Scripture. It's perseverance, keeping on, and yet while we're keeping on, we're still bold as we ask. Have you ever seen anybody ask, and they just keep on asking, keep on asking, finally they say, well, nothing's going to come of this, and they just kind of fade away? Well, these two concepts go together, perseverance and boldness. Perseverance in the Scripture is taught... uh, it's taught in the Scriptures. I read Luke 11, 9, and 10. We'll read that again. He says, I say unto you, Ask, and I understand the tense here in the Greek means keep on asking, and it shall be given you. Seek, or keep on seeking, and it, and you shall find. Knock, and keep on knocking, and it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. As I see it in this importunity contains a at least three elements that's revealed in that Scripture. Ask, which I understand to be perseverance. In other words, it's a refusal to accept a denial when God's will is known. Now, that's a key. When God's will is known to be refused or to refuse to accept a denial. And I just put these notes in this afternoon as I was resetting this. I've got to confess to you, there's so much I pray for not knowing the God's will. You ever think about that? There's so much that I pray for, and I can't speak for you, that I don't know God's will in it. So this ask is perseverance, a refusal to accept denial when I know God's will. This seeking means determination, a willingness to spare no time or trouble till an answer comes. And this knock represents to me intensity, which means a willingness to give our whole being to God in supplication, which results in the boldness to lay hold of God's strength. God's strength to persevere. God's strength to keep on. This woman that was coming to the door, she kept knocking. And I can visualize her as she knocked two or three times and nothing happened, and she listened closely perhaps, and she knocked some more, and then she heard a little movement, and finally somebody came to the door, gave her that little message, don't bother us, and she... She, was, she turned around, went down the sidewalk a little ways, and finally she came back, and she knocked again. And, and, uh, and of course, I'm getting the two stories mixed up here, but as, as, as they would come back and knock and knock and knock, finally the fellow said, I can't take this anymore. Get him some, get him some bread, whatever he needs. Intensity. In other words, I'm seeing here in both of these, in both of these parables an attitude that I must be heard. I have to be heard. Now, this is very difficult. And the reason this is difficult is because we are lazy. Yes, we are. We're lazy. So we stop praying. We stop asking. You see, laziness shows, in this case, a lack of strength of character. How strong is your character? Just keep on asking God. That's taught in these parables. I was reading this afternoon a little, little tidbit about George Mueller. He prayed for 60 years. He prayed for two men, 60 years that they might be saved. One man was saved in his last service that he preached before he died. And the other man was saved the first year after he died. Folks, that's a long time to pray, about two men. Sixty years. You see, we deceive ourselves, at least this is my take on it, we deceive ourselves with a pious submission that we say, well, God has some secret uh, reason for withholding the answer. How can we overcome that kind of thinking, that kind of difficulty? Well, one is we can stand by or stand firm on God's Word. Believe God's Word. Trust it. Don't give up on it. Secondly, we can use Jesus Christ's name properly, as we talked about last week. And then thirdly, we can yield to the Holy Spirit for God's will. In other words, when we come to the place that we have no will of our own, but not my will, but thine be done. And then fourthly, we can... Accomplish this by having the right motivation in prayer, and that will be another lesson, but if the pastor wants that one. In maintaining a right motive, which is to glorify the Heavenly Father. You see, such application of the Word, God's Word will encourage you to continue even when the answer is delayed in time. Now don't tell me that you don't get impatient. If you live in this country, in this culture... You are impatient. All I've got to do is just get you in a traffic jam out here and just wait a while. <laughs> you see, there is sometimes needed a heaping up, quote, unquote, a heaping up of prayer. I illustrate this, and this is not an original illustration with, my, with me, but it was, it was good, that a farmer must take his 10,000 steps and sow the countless seed... And then the crop appears. Someone said that nothing is found without labor and effort. You see, Jacob in Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 30, and I'm just going to use a couple of verses, three verses here. This is what it says. He said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. Been with God all night. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Ever been there with God? And in verse 28 of the same chapter, and he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Prevailed is the key word. To call night. You see, the flesh, our own nature, self, and sloth, that's another way, another word for laziness. Has to go. Jacob's words in verse 26 that I just read, where he said, And he who said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me, is somewhat like Jesus' instruction in Mark 11:24, when he said, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. But again, the question, why is it that we sometimes have to wait so long Am I the only one here that's ever asked that question? Why is it that we have to wait so long? Well, again, I come back to my illustration. You know, the farmer knows that a crop must have its full moisture and sunshine before the crop appears. And that requires patience. I've never heard of a farmer going out and... Sowing the seed and expecting the next day to have the crop ready to harvest, but that's sometimes the way we pray. And if the crop isn't there; we quit praying, so to speak. Uh, I've said that this is <clears throat> this is a way of children. The children like to pick half-ripe fruit, don't they? Half-ripe fruit. We used to have a grapevine in our backyard in Denver, and and kids come over there and and they'd want to pick them. It didn't matter whether they was green or what. I mean, they, they were grapes, and they in, intrigued them. So we want to pick them. Well, we as God's children oftentimes want answers now even if it's not God's time. And I'm hoping I'm building with you an answer to this why we must delay. <clears throat> you see, we love to see our children return home from school at the end of the day. Most of us, that is. But we wait for the training to be completed, which takes years. You see, we too must develop before the fruit comes. Someone said that in a book that I was reading today. Can you imagine what confusion there would be if God answered all of our prayers all at one time, immediately? I, I can't even imagine what this metropolitan area of Denver would, or D- Dallas and Fort Worth, would be. You see, there are certain dispositions that's got to be cultivated if a proper insight into the truth of perseverance and prayer is to be be reached. There are certain dispositions, certain attitudes. And those attitudes, though, two of them is patience and faith. Most of us are short on both. I have a lot of patience as long as I don't have to wait. (laughs) I was uh, going to the the tax office this morning, the appraisal place, and man, I got off on 35 and all I could see was just two lines of, of traffic all the way to 820. I said, this won't do. I may get lost, but I'm getting off of here. I'm going to find another way. Well, it took me longer, but at least, you know what I said to myself? At least I'm moving. I moved several miles out of the way, but I was moving. <clears throat> you see, faith holds the promise, and I want to say this just to review. There, there's, there's conditional promises such as John 15, 7, which you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and I will give. And then there's the unconditional promise, Acts 16:31, 31, where he said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. And then there's some promises or some answers that depends on the other person's will so that when we use 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that God is not willing that any should perish, that promise is dependent upon that person repenting and placing his faith in Christ. So a promise isn't just one kind. There's unconditional, conditional, and then those that depend upon God's will and there may be other kinds as well. But faith holds the promise as a present existence. If God has promised it, it's the same as already happened. But the question is, when? You see, this comes from persevering, confident, praising prayer. Faith allows God time. Now, that's so important. Faith allows God time, even when we know He has heard. This is patience as well. You see, people sometimes must change or be changed. You and I ask for things that we don't realize it, but we're not even equipped to to receive the answer. We're not even prepared for the answer in, in many cases. So it takes time for us to change. It isn't God's problem. It's our problem. Situations sometimes must change or be changed. Are you still with me? We're building step by step here. You see, the answer will come in time. But the disposition of patience or the attitude of patience must be developed and must be cultivated. How is that disposition cultivated? In James chapter 1, verse 2, he said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers testings or temptations. Do you rejoice when God tests you? No, I'm afraid we don't always do that, do we? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith, faith worketh patience. So how, <clears throat> my question is, is how is, uh, how is uh, uh, this disposition of patience developed? Well, it's developed by trials. Tribulations. Faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, her complete work, that, and here's, in order that, ye may be perfect or complete and entire wanting Nothing. You see, faith rejoices and again, tying these two together, faith and patience. Faith rejoices in the unseen answer as a present possession. And is combined with patience that keeps on asking until the answer is revealed. Let me go over that again. Faith rejoices in the unseen answer as a present possession. It's not here yet, but it's same as ours, and is combined with patience that keeps on asking perseverance until it's revealed. Now, there's a great danger involved here, as I see it. <clears throat> as the answer is delayed, we're tempted, highly tempted, to conclude that our request was not God's will. You see, uh, George Mueller could pray 60 years for two unsaved men, and he knew for sure it was God's will because 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, 3, to, uh, 3 to verse 9. He knew for sure that. So we've, we, it's easy to conclude, well, I've been praying about this all year. I've been praying about this a whole day, <laughs> and it hasn't happened yet. So it must not be God's will, even though it's a, it was in accordance to God's Word and Spirit-directed. And again in James chapter 1 and verse 5 and 6 through 8, I should say, 5 through 8, If any, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and unbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, nothing wavering. That's a big demand there. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. In other words, the waves here one time, it's gone the next. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You see, folks, in this perseverance, we need to learn to give God time. It isn't that he's incapable And he's not governed by time. We're governed by time. We're in the measured portion of God's eternity. Time is for human beings only. But we need to give God time using our language. Uh, You know, we we may not be in the frame of mind to receive. In this case here, we may not be in the frame of mind to receive wisdom. I'm I'm confident of this, that a lot of people wouldn't know wisdom if they met it. So God has to prepare us. And those are the people that says, you know, I know it all. I need wisdom, but I know it all. We've got to give God time, and God needs time with us. God needs time with us. The great blessing is as the answer is delayed, it brings heart-searching time. You know, I was thinking this evening, I had to get here early and was by myself up there in that, that room setting and I thought, can you imagine what all Jacob had to go through that night? He talked with the Lord all night. Can you imagine that he had to admit to God all of his mistakes and all his supplantings and, and his, his, his wrongdoings? All night long he wrestled with God. And let me tell you something, God was on top. <laughs> God no doubt had him peeing for most of the night. <laughs> so you see, it's delayed to bring heart-searching times. My, when, we, when, we, when we wait upon the Lord and we persevere and we keep on asking and, and exert patience, the Lord is dealing with us and he's teaching us things about ourselves and about him that we would never learn any other way. Wouldn't we be spoiled Christian brats if God gave us everything instantly when God gave, when we asked for it? We say that about other people's kids, don't we? <laughs> They're spoiled brats. They get everything they ask for and even more. No, we conf- we, in that time we discover our sins. We, we confess them. We give up things and are led to change things which hinder the coming answer. This is involved in the cost of prayer back several lessons ago. About 48 lessons ago, Brother (laughs) Dodson. So, the great blessing is, in his delay, is it brings a closer fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Andrew Murray, who was born, I think, in 1826, 1830, I believe it's 1826, in South Africa. Some Scottish parents had this quote. He said, As God prevails over us, as God prevails over us, we prevail with God. Get that now. As God prevails over us. You see, in that night that Jacob, uh, Jacob spent in, in, in prayer, God prevailed over him. And as God prevailed over him, then he prevailed with God. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now, Let's uh, let's go from that that area to boldness, perseverance to boldness, and simply so tie it together. And I'm going to mention some things here that I mentioned before, especially connected to the will of God. Uh, boldness is in prayer is certainly taught in the scriptures. I've given you the reference before in First John chapter five, verses 14, 15. This is what John said, and this is the confidence or the boldness that we have in Him. That if any, uh, that if We ask anything according to His will; He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. I've got a little diagram written out here, which I've got transparencies that I would show you, but you know, to know means to know God's will. In this scripture, we've got to know God's will. And if we know God's will, then we can be assured that God hears. And if we're assured that god it's God's will and God's hear, God hears, the Scripture tells us God will answer. Now, don't water that down. Don't don't say, well, you know, if this and that, something else. that's exactly what that verse says. The great hindrance to believing prayer is, number one, not knowing if what is asked is according to the will of God. That's a great hindrance to believing prayer. Because when that happens, there's no boldness that's present. If I do not know for sure it's God's will, I cannot really boldly ask. You see, the secret will of God idea, and this is, this is, prevalent in a lot of books that you read the secret will of god idea is an excuse for a disciple to come up short on discerning god's will in other words well i'll take a chance on it we'll just take a chance this is god's will so i'll ask it well you keep on asking Finally, you say well well, it's apparently god has secret will he's keeping from me and well let me know it well that's that's a cop-out John's objective, and going back to 1 John 5, John's objective, as I see it, is to arouse boldness <clears throat> because this, when he says, and this is the confidence, I understand that word could be substituted for boldness or boldness could be substituted for, the, for confidence. For this is the boldness that we have in him or we have toward him. In other words, uh, He's saying, and I'm quoting here, Father, you know and I know that I ask according to your will. Heavenly Father, I know and you know that what I'm asking is in accordance to your stated will. And whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions which we have asked of him, unquote. You see, John presupposes that before we ask, we find God's will. Now I want to say again what I said earlier and that is I find that a lot of what I pray I do not know what God's will is involved in it. I hope that he allows me to come to school to teach and I pray toward that end. But I don't have a solid scripture that tells me that in the morning I'm going to be here safe and sound That Sometime, whatever time I'm supposed to be here. I don't have a scripture that tells me that particularly, but I but I go to the Lord in prayer about it anyway. He supposes that we that before we ask we find God's will. Well, knowing God's will, you see, gives us confidence, doesn't it? If I know that you want to give me something, and somebody's already told me that you're going to give it to me, I can go to you with boldness and say, How about how about sharing that with me? They can say, well, I was going to do that anyway. But if I'm not sure of your will and it's something very close to your heart, like like a tool of our pastors, and I say, Brother Daughter, I need what you got. Don't have that tool. You see, I know him well enough. He's going to say, well, I may let you borrow it, but that's all. Just illustrating what I'm trying to say here. Knowing God's will gives us confidence, it gives us perseverance, and it gives us courage. But guessing about God's will will not give any of the above. Many of the Lord's people do not really believe that we can know God's will. Now that's true. Uh, I found this to be so, even in in some of the reading material I have. That we just can't find God's will. Uh, you know, the prayer of faith becomes impossible without belief. You can't pray trusting God if you don't believe that you can know His will. And some do, not, uh, some do believe that they can know God's will, but will not take the time and trouble to find it. And I've, I've dealt with this before. You see, God's will, at least one source, is the Word of God. If you don't take the time to study it, you don't take the time to even read it in your daily Bible reading, and you just read it once in a great while, and it lays there dormant, there's no way you're going to know God's will. Well, this brings me to the next thing, and I've already said this in another, uh, another lesson or so. How does God lead His children to know His will? One, is by the Word. Second is by the Holy Spirit. And you've got to know this, that the Lord never, ever leads contrary to His stated Word. Not even for you. Or for me. God's Word is definitely God's revealed will, isn't it? I'd hold my Bible up, but my daily Bible reading would fall out, Pastor. <laughs> felt so sorry for him the other night. He just dribbled out here. That was a Sunday morning, wasn't it? <laughs> God's Word is His revealed Word uh, is His revealed will. I'll guarantee you this: that if you were in somebody's will and you knew that you you had a you had a hunch that you were in a, that you were involved in that will for a million dollars, you'd read that will carefully, wouldn't you? And you'd say, "I want to read it right now, every word of it." I was in somebody's will, one of our church members, and wasn't spo- well didn't work out, didn't was supposed to be in the first place. And finally, church member got crossways, and so so a relative of his told me, he "said Brother Zander, you're not in the will anymore." <laughs> Well, I went with him to prepare the first will. he persisted in putting me in the will but he but then he got upset at me he took me out of the will so i wouldn't i, I didn't care what he the will at all from then on god's word is re, is his revealed Well, will now in god's word, we have general principles don't we, that are revealed by uh, i'm sorry general promises that are revealed by general principles i don't have to, i don't have to stay here all night tonight to search through these sixty six books of the Bible to find out how I'm going to get home or whether I'm supposed to go home because it's not going to be in there. But there's general principles that are involved in that I'm married to my wife. We've got a home and I need to go home with her because I need something to eat. (laughs) You see, the child must take these and apply them to special... The child of God, I should say... Take these general principles and apply them to special circumstances. There's big umbrellas in God's word. You know, all of all of what man is involved in the little tiny, and I don't mean this in a bad way, little tiny sins. They're not all listed in the Word of God. But I'll tell you, a big umbrella is uh, stained for all appearance of evil. That's a big umbrella. That's a big principle. So we must take these and apply them to the special circumstances. If there's a doubt about whether it's right or wrong, don't do it. Now, whatever he would ask within the limits, and again, the child of God, whatever he would ask within the limits of his revealed will, he can expect. But again, when? I don't have the answer for you on that. But faith claims these promises... And also, faith gives the assurance of those promises. Now, not only in God's Word, and I've labored this long enough there, but we also find God's will through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You see, God's will is something spiritual, and it must be discerned spiritually. It's not a matter of logic. Folks, we can put together a lot of things that if this equals this and this equals this, then this equals this, therefore it's God's will. That's not determining God's will. The Holy Spirit reveals God's will to his people through the Word and through principles of his Word. And I want to be clear there. You're just not going to wake up with Jesus at the foot of your bed tonight and he's going to tell you, you know, go out and kill your neighbor because you don't like him. <laughs> I did it because the Lord, because the Holy Spirit led me to. well. I've got a neighbor that would kind of like that, but I, I can't go that way. <laughs> you see, the Holy Spirit communicates God's wisdom and He dwells within us, doesn't He? We, we believe that. The Scripture teaches that. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so he communicates, he communicates to us God's wisdom. The Holy Spirit makes the application of God's general principles found in the Word of God. He makes the application to our particular circumstance. I believe with all my heart that I can pray, Lord, what is your will in this matter here? I know you've covered it in a big way, but I need this particular circumstance as to what I'm to do or not to do. And I believe the Holy Spirit will reveal that to us if we're patient. Sometimes he takes his time there too. So seeking God's will, (coughs) seeking God's will while ignoring the union of these two of patience and faith, will lead to what I call erroneous conclusions, because if you, I say patience and faith. I should have said spirit and the word. If we just think about being led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to be. You're going to make discernments based on nothing but feelings. And if you just take the word only and leave out the Holy Spirit, then there's no leadership by the Spirit of God's word in your in your heart and my heart. You see, the Holy Spirit quickens or makes alive the Word in my heart. As I read it, he, he makes it alive. He makes it come alive. He applies it to me. I was just reading the first tonight before the service started. I was just reading the first two chapters of 1 of Chronicles. I don't know how all that applies to me. All those names and names and so-and-so begot, so-and-so and so-and-so and begot, so-and-so. And... But I read it, and you know what that apply, how it applies to me? is because my God is a God of detail. And I can't just slough off things and say, you know, God doesn't pay attention. to this. It's such a small detail. God pays attention to small details. There's other reasons for that to be put in the Word, of course. But He quickens the Word in, of God in our hearts. He said, if you abide in Me and My words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. We're back to John 15, 7 again. You see, the real reason for unanswered prayer is found, and again, I go to James chapter 4, verse 3. You know what it is. He said, you ask and receive not... Because you ask amiss, you ask wrongly, that you may consume it upon your lust. And folks, we've got to admit that many of our prayers, maybe I can just admit it for myself, not you, are nothing but just selfish desires. And I don't say that to bait you. I'm just saying I know that a lot of what I ask, I have to just retrace my steps and say, Lord, that request I just made was nothing but just selfishness on my part, just to make my day easier, or whatever it might have been. Now, an important footnote is this, so that there wouldn't through this is there, is there is much confusion. I recognize what I'm saying here. There's a lot of confusion about it. hopefully, hopefully it isn't here tonight. But what God's will must inevitably pla- uh, what God's will must inevitably pla- Inevitably take place. Is that true? No. No. God's will does not inevitably take place. I'll back to up in just a minute. Why do I say this? Because our wills, men's wills, interfere even though uh, because we have a free will. You see, God has made the execution of His will in many things dependent on the will of man. How much time did God talk to Israel the northern kingdom and later to Judah the southern kingdom about their sins and about what he was going to do if they didn't quit it well finally he took Israel into captivity years later he took Judah into captivity by the Babylonians didn't he in other words Israel's captivities that was not God's will so God's will is not in ev- does not always uh, take place you see, God. Once God reveals His will, then the responsibility for the execution of that will rests with us. And I know what you're thinking. I've, pre- I've preempted you on this, and that is, does this put too much power in the hand of man? No, because you see, and I'm going to illustrate this. Uh, <laughs> Maybe poor illustration, but I'll give it anyway. Uh, prayer is like a uh, is like a hose or a water pipe. It simply directs the substance and the force to where it's needed. That's what prayer is. It's like a hose. You know, I watered my trees the other day. I hooked the hose on there. And the hose isn't the water. The hose doesn't furnish the power. It just furnishes the channel. And that's what prayer is to us. It's the channel through which God works to do his will here upon this earth. Isn't that great? Just channels. What a great honor that is. The will of God to bless is dependent upon the will of man to say where the blessing must descend. That's good. But we can, but we can ask. And then God's will be revealed or his will be made clear. And I wanna I want to conclude on this note here, because sometimes God's will is made very clear in a negative sense. Abraham, and I read this from Genesis 17, verses 18 through 22. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. Thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And as far as Ishmael, I've heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful. And hasn't he made him fruitful? Today's world verifies that, doesn't it? And will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he begat, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. End of conversation. Moses had a similar experience. Deuteronomy 3, verses 23 through 26. And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. He's pleading, he's building a case talking about the greatness of God, the mighty hand of God, for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might. I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and, and Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me and the Lord said unto me, Let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. That's pretty final, isn't it? <laughs> and then one more example in, from the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9, concerning Paul. Lest I should be exalted, Paul says, above measure, through the abundance of revelations, of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, or three times, that it might depart from me. He persevered to a point. And he said unto me, that is, God said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my weaknesses or in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me, or be exalted, or be be shown in me. Exhibited in me. You see, folks, we live in a world of ease and pleasure. We do. And this hinders our perseverance in prayer, in my opinion. We live in what I called, and I just made this up this afternoon, we live in an instant world. You may like instant mashed potatoes, but I don't really care for them. But since my wife cooks them, I eat them. I look in the grocery store the other day. My how many instant things we have! I was—I just put down a few things. You want strength today? What do you do? You take drugs. You don't work it up. You take drugs, and a way you can knock a hundred home runs, be the best man on the uh, best man on the offensive line or defensive line. Instant strength. We want to lose weight. Oh, my. I wish I'd come up with an expensive nonsense diet like some of these companies do. You want to lose weight? Slow down on eating. You don't have to pay somebody, but we want it instantly. I just heard an advertisement the other day. You know, if, if you don't lose 10 pounds and, or 15, whatever it was, in so many hours, so we'll give you money back. Instant furniture. This is my thing here. I was sitting in the office today and put this down because I built my whole office out of a kit in three days. All I needed was a screwdriver. That's all. If I'd have built that myself, I'd have been here next year. Instant furniture. It all came in pasteboard boxes what i'm saying folks we live as i said in a world of ease and pleasure that's why we don't persevere that's why we don't keep on asking and even as we're asking god is willing to answer that's why our patience runs so short years ago it would have taken i live 14 miles from the church here it would have taken how many days horse and buggy brother jc More than I would be willing to spend, and yet I tell you, if I can't make it in 15 minutes or 16, I'm very impatient. We live in a world of ease and pleasure. And I want to close on a note that I got out of uh, one of Andrew Murray's books to e- just today, and I don't. Want to, I want to read the whole. I won't read the whole paragraph, but <clears throat> I want you to get the point here. And this was, he lived in, 18, he bore, born in 1828. I got it wrong, not 1828 in South Africa. I'm saying that date because, it's, because that's it's a long time ago. And yet here he's what, this is what he says. Shall men of the world sacrifice ease and pleasure in their pursuits? Uh-uh. The athletes that are getting ready to go to the Olympics, do they spend an hour every week or two? They spend days and days and days and hours and hours and hours training, right? Do the people in the the computer world, did they get that just overnight? No. Shall men of the world sacrifice ease and pleasure in their pursuits and shall we be such cowards, now this is not my words, such cowards and sluggards as not to fight our way through to the place where we can find liberty for the captive and salvation for the perishing. Well, that's connecting. Let each servant of Christ learn to know His calling. His King ever lives to pray. The Spirit of the King ever lives in us to pray. It is from heaven the blessings which the world needs must be called down in persevering, importunate, believing prayer. It's from heaven in answer to prayer the Holy Spirit will take complete possession of us to do His work through us. Let us acknowledge how vain our much work has been owing to our little prayer. Or prayer. Let us change our method. And let us henceforth more prayer, much prayer, unceasing prayer, be the proof that we look for all to God and that we believe that He heareth us. Folks, I know that isn't Scripture, but it says a lot to me by a man that I admire greatly in the, in the references I have. So hopefully I've answered a few questions for you. Persevere. Perseverance and patience. Boldness. It all works together. And all of what I've said previous to this plugs into this lesson today. Pastor, I'll turn it back to you. Thank you.